Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money FM 89.3, financial updates from the Business Times. Good afternoon. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly. And I'm Hong Ben Jung. And we are joined on the line now by Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX, to wrap up this week's market news and moves, as well as the year. It's our last interview for the year with Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hi, hi, Hong Ben. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Good to have you with us. Jeff, where do we start? Should we start with Nodex numbers? Yeah, sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Okay. So Nodex numbers released today. I mean, we've got a lot to get through with you today, Jeff. We've got and we've got fifteen minutes to do it. So we can we can wrap up the year in fifteen minutes, I'm sure. Okay, so Nodex numbers out today. Uh, November's numbers shrank, I think it's fourteen point six percent on year, a second month of contraction. Jeff, what are your thoughts on the numbers and what were some of the key drivers here? Yeah, I think the key driver is the external environment and that Nordex number, Rachel, is very much paralleling what's happening on a global Mm. scale. That last uh, World Economic Outlook by the IMF expected trade volume growth to decelerate from 10% last year to 3% this year and then 3% again next year. So similarly, we've seen our Nordex growth decelerate from 12% last year. Dan is expected to now come in at around 4% for this year. And how will demand continue to soften in the months ahead and how will this weigh on Singapore's mm. economy, Jeff? Well, most of it hinges on China, Hongbin. Mm. Um, weak, weaker demand from China has persisted since July. We've seen Singapore's year-on-year decline in exports to China in the vicinity of 30% for November, October and September and then also in the vicinity of 20% for August and July. So China continues to rank as our, in fact, not just Singapore's, but the world's largest trading partner. And since November, what's been happening, uh, things have been, um, so a few rumblings around. So Morgan Stanley's predicted China will see a sharper than expected rebound in activity next year. I think it raised its uh, GDP outlook from 5 to 5.4%. Mm-hmm. As we go into next year, you've got all that policy manoeuvring, including the optimised COVID rules to bolster the economy. You've got fiscal support to small businesses, the support of monetary policies there, and of course those property market policies. So just for a current health check in terms of China, um, which as we said, hinge, a lot of trade hinges on it, you know, among our most traded uh, stocks with majority revenue reported to, to uh, China, Capital and China Trust, NEO, Hutchport Trust, they've kept pace with that 18% rally in the FTSE China A50 index. Um, and also, I think one more important thing too, not just from a trade perspective, but from a tourism perspective, remember pre-COVID, one in five tourists to Singapore actually did come from China. Jeff, do you think we could see further action from the MES to mm. perhaps tighten monetary policy? What are your thoughts? Well, th- we do have that strong reliance uh, on a mm. global trade being a trade-centered economy. So that means the nominal effective exchange rate is the key policy tool. Yeah. But the tide of global inflation has already seen the MAS implement three slight increases to the slope uh, and then three upward recenters of the band as well. Yeah. So, so most, I think, respondents of that uh, MAS survey that was released uh, this week, the professional forecasters, mm-hmm. um, they do not expect the MAS to adjust its stance in April or October. That's the majority. I think there was a third of respondents that actually expected an increase in the slope uh, in the April view at the most. 
So how have markets here responded to the Nodex numbers, Jeff? Yeah, well, the SDI is lower on the day, but at the end of the day, the SDI is still within a pretty tight consolidation range. On a, mm-hmm. on a, on a year-to-year basis, when you break the number up, you had the electronic Nodex contracting by 20% in November, mm-hmm. and that was down, that followed that 9% contraction in October. So when you want to look at um, the impact on the stock market, look at those uh, electronic manufacturing high-tech names. You have Venture Corp down 1.2% to $16.97. Nanofilm's actually seen uh, $8 million in turnover already today, mm-hmm. and it's down 8%, 8 to 9%. Uh, Franken Group is down 1, 1.6%. UMS Holdings down 8 tenths of a percent. AEM down 8 tenths of a percent. And then you've got ISDN down 2.3%. So, so definitely some coincidental mm-hmm. weakness in the, uh, in the high-tech plays coinciding with that weaker than expected electronic uh, number. And it's not just the Nodex uh, numbers that are moving markets today here in Singapore. We've also got to take a look at at what came out of the US earlier this week with uh, the Fed's announcements. Uh, I mean, it wasn't expected though, right? Everyone was expecting the 50 basis points and that's what we got. But what does this mean for Singapore and what are your thoughts on the move and how markets have responded? Well, I I guess the FOMC uh, outcome is very relevant. Um, to two of the broad downside risks to Singapore going into next year. Uh, mm-hmm. First, That first risk is that you could have more global interest rate increases, not just from the Fed, but uh, across uh, central banks across the world, which can further decelerate growth or, um, if you look at it from a stock market perspective, exacerbate some market volatility and hence increase financial stability risks. So so that's it's very relevant to that. So it, it does um, kind of add to that uh, potential downside risk. And of course, the other key downside risk is the further escalation in global mm-hmm. geopolitical tensions. But look, case in point, how it plays out is you've got the expectation that not just Singapore, but Southeast Asia continues its economic recovery next year. Consumer service, the consumer sector, the services sector and exports remain uh, growth drivers. However, we're not immune from this global inflation that the Fred is looking at. And if the inflation does actually return higher, it does have the potential to see more inflation import its way into the region. And of course, higher rates in the US also can see further currency depreciation in this part of the world as as well. Mm -hmm. But it seems like markets, you know, after Powell made that speech that he would raise rates for longer, it seems like markets aren't buying those warnings because with bond prices reversing its course as investors are more betting that the central bank would execute a U-turn next year. How much longer do you think the Fed will raise its rates or do you see them pausing them soon? I think a key, uh, particularly in the second half of this year, a key development has been more tough, hawkish talk Mm -hmm. from Fed officials. That's very much expected to continue next year um, because the tough, hawkish tone is actually, they see it as serving as a policy tool. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly as there's um, potentially that more expectations-driven part of the inflation in the U.S., the, mm-hmm. the, the services, less energy services, that on a month-on-month basis, that continues to augment. And uh, the Fed will feel vindicated that overall inflation is coming down, not just because of the uh, rate increases, which do take time to work through, mm-hmm. but because of the hawkish tone they're, 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 um, they're relaying, which is basically nipping in the bud some of those uh, inflationary expectations, which otherwise might have gone a little bit overhand. So, 
at the moment, we're ending uh, this year with a target rate of, what is it, four and a quarter to four and a half yeah. percent in the US. And you've got majority expectations still that the uh, peak rate uh, will be four and three quarters to five percent, um, albeit uh, markets now starting to entertain five and, and, and five, between five and five and a quarter based on what Fed chair, the Fed chair said. But nonetheless, you've got to take into account too that peak rate is expected to be in taking effect for a while. The expectations are it will take effect in March and run all the way through to the end of October. Jeff, let's take a closer look now at um, how the SGI constituents have been performing this week on the back of that news. I mean, we've got the trio of local banks all in the red as we come to the end of the week. Yeah, look, it, the, the SGI, it has continued to mm. press on within this uh, mm. pretty tight 90-point consolidation range between 33.10 and 32.20. And that's really uh, defined 95% of the market activity, not just over the past week, but the past month. Um, So around this 32.50 level, it's actually pretty close to the 32.45 level where it ended last week. Mm -hmm. It brings the year-to-date price gain to 4%. Dividends boost that total return to 8%. The SDI still remains the most defensive developed benchmark in the world. And interesting, on a total return basis, in sing dollar terms, you could say that the SDI has possibly been the strongest benchmark across the world now. Because if you look at the Brazil benchmark, it's up 4.3% on total returns. So we're actually still ranking pretty well. Um, and of course, it comes down to diversity in the STI, not just uh, the core foundation of the banks. If you look at the biggest movers in the STI mm. this week, you got Gunting Singapore, Fraser's Logistics Commercial Trust, Jardim Matheson, Semcorp Industries, and Yangtze Jung Shipbuilding, and a nod to sector as well as uh, geographical diversification. Um, those five stocks yeah. have averaged 3% gains. I should also note, Gunting, Jardim Matheson, Semcorp Industries, Fraser Logistics and Commercial Trust, the four of the five better performers this week, okay. were also ranked among the 10 stocks that saw the most net uh, fund inflows for the for the first four sessions of the week. Um, Sats, Singtel, SGX, Maple Tree, Pan-Asia, Commercial Trust, Venture Corp were the underperformers, down 3.5% on average. What's your take on SIA, Jeff, down uh, 0.7% today? And those SAs had quite a bit of news. I mean, we've got to talk about what was happening, obviously, in India. We didn't catch up after that announcement. SIA shares, I believe, they were higher following that announcement. And then they've recently made a number of smaller press releases have been out in in the media as well. But what's your take on how SIA is moving, especially since we're in the holiday season, more people are traveling. Why is it moving lower? Well, it has to, uh, you know... Climbing higher, descending here and there is all part of a flight mm. path, as you know. And uh-huh. it has been, <laughs> trying to be trying to be too funny here, but funny. it has been a smooth flight when you consider it ended last year at five dollars, mm. and it's now trading at around that five dollar fifty five level. Yeah. And dividends are back, as as we saw That's in the right. in the for its for its first half numbers. Um, it, it so I guess what's the most recent news? is uh, the November Ops report. So they Mm. provide these monthly Ops report and SIA and Scoot, they carried was it 2.4 million passengers in November? So that's up 6% from October. Um, group passenger capacity, uh, it's, it's, it's around 75% of pre-COVID levels, which, which is pretty uh, good. And of course, you know, that's, it's half-year results. It reported back on the 4th of November. Mm-hmm. It's the highest half-year and quarterly operating profit in history. Um, 
And of course, you've got, as we said, Singapore Airlines and Tata Sons agreed to merge Air India and Vistara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and SIA is also investing that $360 million thing in Air India as part of that transaction. So it gives Singapore Airlines a 25% thereabouts stake in the enlarged Air India group. Um, and and it's, this is this is really um, important too because it's been a key theme throughout the year of uh, Singapore companies that have actually been looking within to increase their own operations efficiency um, and add value to shareholders. Yeah, and really expands their footprint potential in that market. Mm. Yeah. Well, Jeff, right now I'm like sitting across the Rachel and there's also a big Straits Times newspaper right in front yeah. of me. And the headline says layoffs in Singapore rise to 1,120 in quarter Oof. three, mm. driven by tech firms. Jeff, what does that tell us about our labor market and how will this affect firms going forward? Well, I think it yet again exemplifies just how important external economic outlooks are for mm-hmm. us here at home in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the, this widening field of application of technology services, it's been a key structural driver for the mm-hmm. sector and driven a lot of job growth for the sector, um, tech sector in recent years. But we've got these all these key challenges going into, into next year. So you've got the bifurcation um, from the US-China tech rivalry. Mm-hmm. You've got this inflation obviously still remains ramp, uh, quite high. I wouldn't say rampant heights come off the peaks, but it still remains high and elevated. The supply chain disruptions are still there somewhat. And you've got the broader state of semiconductor uh, and consumer growth outlook not so strong. Um, and it's, in fact, it is global inflation and weak consumer spending that does impact hirings and headcounts. And these have been also particularly touted by uh, those global semiconductor associations that are seeing, uh, just like as we were saying, global trade um, 15 minutes ago, you've got uh, semiconductor billings expecting to slow from double digit last year to mm-hmm. around 4% this year and even go and tip into a 4% decline in semiconductor billings next year. So this obviously, mm-hmm. as we said, doesn't, doesn't just impact outlooks for stocks. It right. obviously impacts labour markets. Mm-hmm. So Jeff, as we come to the end of the year, I still can't believe we're all <laughs> past halfway through December. What are yeah. you looking out for in the year ahead? You've given us a recap of how the STI has performed this year, but what are you expecting next year? Yeah, uh, look, We've got industrial production out next week, first mm-hmm. and foremost, but what will really set the tone, I think, will be February through to March. That will be really mm-hmm. important for the 2023 corporate outlooks. We have close to 400 stocks that actually complete their uh, financial years in two weeks, uh, and that means they'll be reporting their full year numbers in Feb and March. And recent, that um, survey we mentioned before, professional forecasters, it mm-hmm. it had 50% of the respondents who were surveyed, they, they did expect corporate profits to remain stable year on year in this quarter uh, and a third actually anticipated higher profits um, and the remainder expected the profits to decline. So um, at the moment, I think STI uh, earnings growth uh, is expected um, for this year, uh, but of course that's all been priced in and much will depend on obviously the global outlook 
um, when it comes to growth and inflation. Okay, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks so much. See you in 2023. Oh, my goodness. Are you going to get some rest over the festive season? Yeah, I do believe so. I, I certainly hope so. Much <laughs> deserved break, Jeff. Well, thank, thank you, you so much and have a wonderful festive season. Happy holidays. Happy thanks, Hongwin. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Jeff. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Keep it here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.